Kia ora. Welcome to this episode of the Let's Talk Dementia podcast. My name is Harriet, and today we will be taking a closer look at the impact of the COVID-19 outbreak on people living with dementia. We'll also be finding out more about the innovative ways local Alzheimer's organisations are stepping up to provide support during this challenging time. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Dementia affects almost four out of five of us in some way. By 2050, it will cost the country nearly $5 billion a year. Astonishingly, and despite these sad facts, there is no concrete government action plan on the horizon to deal with this urgent and growing healthcare challenge, a challenge that has been further exposed by COVID-19. COVID-19 has not caused this problem. It has merely brought into sharp focus just how neglected and vulnerable people with dementia and their families really are. Across the country, local Alzheimer's organisations provide help to their communities in the form of services like support and activity groups, day programmes and cognitive stimulation therapy. These services are a lifeline for many, but the outbreak of COVID-19 means that until it's safe, these can no longer take place in a face-to-face capacity. We spoke to the managers of three local Alzheimer's organisations in Eastern Bay of Plenty, Otago and Tauranga, Western Bay of Plenty to find out how they are stepping up to the challenge. Liz Harburg is the manager of Alzheimer's Otago. Some of the challenges that we know our community are facing, so people with dementia and their care partners, are... Well, quite rightly, they're quite fearful. They're vulnerable to COVID-19. Um, so there's there's an element of fear and, and um, concern about the current situation. And obviously, they're, they're missing their social interactions. So um, all those kind of services that are usually available to them, such as day centres, coffee groups, uh, activities, um, they're missing out on them. And that's having sort of a double impact for that that family in that for the management of dementia, that social interaction and that cognitive stimulation is incredibly important for their management of dementia. So um, I'm hearing a lot around there being a bit of a a noticeable decline in people's in in people's cognitive state uh, during this time because they're not accessing that, that social interaction and those services. But also for the care partner, there's a bit of an additional stress because they're not getting those little bits of respite that some of those services offered. Um, we're also hearing some concerns from carers and loved ones of people with dementia who are in residential care because for some time now there's been considerable restrictions on visiting. Um, and for a lot of care partners and families, that residential care facility actually kind of forms part of their their broader social interaction. So as well as not being able to see their loved one regularly, they're also missing a lot of their broader social interaction. So we're hearing a lot about that. On the the positive side of that, they're also hearing a lot of positive feedback at how wonderful the residential care facilities have been and proactive they've been in making, finding new ways that um, families can connect to their loved one in care. So that's been a really positive thing out of it. We've been delivering support groups, coffee groups. So our coffee groups are a social group for uh, a per- the person with dementia and their care partner or loved one. 
So we've started delivering some of those via Zoom. And we've also been delivering our cognitive stimulation therapy program through Zoom. So we offer CST in Queenstown and we have two groups running. And um, we were just coming towards the end of the um, of the program for the CST in Queenstown when the restrictions came in, and we've but quite a number of our um, participants were quite keen to uh, continue to engage. So we've been delivering Zoom uh, CST programs for about um, about twice, two or three times a week to uh, people with dementia. And it's just been amazing. They, they've um, really enjoyed it. Obviously, it hasn't worked for everybody. Not everybody had the technology um, to be able to participate, but a number of people have or they've learnt how to do it and that's been another um, skill development and also, and that's also part of what we try to achieve with CST is it's around learning new skills. Um, so that's been a really, a really positive outcome of that. One of our um, community educators, Gail, who's based in Queenstown, she runs the CST program in Queenstown and one of the participants, um, it was his birthday during lockdown, and they would have been, they'd planned to celebrate his birthday um, with, the, his, with the other participants in the CST program. Um, but instead, Gail went and um, with her two teenage children and she visited their house. She stood at the front gate um, while the, um, the couple, um, the, the gentleman with dementia and his wife stood on their front veranda. And Gail and her children sung Happy Birthday to him, as well as um, a few of his favourite songs. And Gail's daughter uh, played the trumpet and the couple danced on their veranda to, while, while the family sung to him. And for me, it made me incredibly proud of, of the team at Alzheimer's Otago and how far we will go and how much our clients mean to us. Uh, I, we've seen loads of stories around people just going that extra mile and doing some beautiful things for people within their community. One of the really positive impacts that's come out of this as well is in regards to technology. I think there's an assumption that for older people, they won't, they don't know how to use technology, they're not interested in it. And for some people, yes, maybe that there is that little bit of concern or fear. Um, but what we found overwhelmingly through this process is um, people are really willing to engage and they wanted to learn the new skill and, and um they're also really supportive of their of their peers to to support them to learn that new skill. So what we were finding in the Zoom support groups is there was almost a little celebration every time someone was able to log into Zoom. So there was that 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 peer support, um, and we found a lot of our our clients are really kind of turning from seeing some of those some of those technologies as um, a foe, and they're really starting to embrace them and see how they that can help them to connect with their peers. Glenn Bradley is the manager of Alzheimer's Tauranga, Western Bay of Plenty. Our communities faced with a number of challenges um, through this COVID experience. Um, those people living with dementia, routine is a really important part of their lives. And uh, so certain amounts of certain parts of their routine um, has really would have changed a lot through the period. 
um, combine that with some of the effects of dementia and it can be very quite unsettling for them understanding what's happening in this situation that we're referring to now as the as the new normal. Um, so that's certainly one of the key challenges for those people with dementia uh, and fundamentally also for their carers, their care partners and whānau who are caring with them, some of their regular supports that they have in place they may be finding harder to access. And so um, a key challenge for for those families is, has been how to substitute some of those um, face-to-face or interactions or things that they've had in their daily routine that they've had to change. Our organisation runs a number of services for people with dementia and, and for their carers. So as we started to work through the developments of the situation and then ultimately into, into lockdown, we needed to adjust a lot of the way that we do our work with those families. It wasn't a huge challenge for us as an organisation to make that change. However, what we needed to do was really change the way that we interact with our service users. Um, Obviously, no face-to-face um, home visits, which makes up a, a large part of what we do, particularly uh, early on when we are getting to know our service users and um, uh, make assessments of their situation. We've generally done that in a, via an in-home visit in the past. So we needed to make adjustments there. We also run a number of groups uh, activity groups and support groups for carers and people with dementia out in the community and in various community locations. Um, so again, those obviously all um, had to be put on hold at some stage. So then once we moved into the lockdown period, we needed to make a number of a number of adjustments. And one of the first things we did was working through our entire service user list and identifying those people most at risk or at households that were immediately at risk with the change in situation and working closely with the DHB and um, and other providers to ensure that any um, any services or um, short-term needs could be could be met the best way possible um, from there our focus shifted somewhat to trying to find a substitute for those services that we'd provided to them, obviously face-to-face or um, coming together in a community hall for, for a group setting, whether it be a support group or a what we call them a companion group, uh, social group, activity group for people with dementia was not going to be viable in the in the short term. So we started to look down the, the options of utilising um, Zoom meetings for these and uh, we were pleasantly surprised with how many people were actually interested in taking that opportunity up. And so we worked through with everybody that was keen to do that, uh, essentially gave them a telephone call and a, a little bit of a one-on-one tutorial of how to get up to speed and work with Zoom. And uh, really over the, the last sort of, took us about two weeks to get up to speed and get going with that. And then from, from there on, and I think we've run three of our weekly Monday groups um, so far, and we'll continue to do those on a, on a weekly basis um, for the near future. And our, our monthly support groups, uh, we're starting to get those up and running as well. And again, look at continuing to do those. One of the things that, that are likely to come out of it, particularly for the demographic of our um, our age group, I guess, of the, of the people that access our services um, and the fact that they're accessing our service generally due to, a, to an underlying health condition is that their return 
um, back to what we consider as normal or activities prior to COVID is likely to be more delayed than the rest of the community. Um, and one of the challenges that that may face is that as um, the wider community seems to be getting back much closer to a um, day-to-day norm, I suppose is a good way of putting it, that uh, our service users may still be feeling like they're lagging behind in terms of progress in there, and, and that's a, you know that's for their own, for, for safety. Um, but they could possibly feel that they're getting a little bit left behind or forgotten, I guess, if um, all the media and uh, national news, et cetera, is, is all talking about a, you know how we're starting to move and recover from this, yet our, um, our particular service users and those affected by dementia are still feeling that they um, – haven't quite progressed that far. So, you know, we just need to make sure we continue to support them through that process. One particular family who hadn't um, engaged a whole lot in our support groups, um, but after the first one that we ran, they were talking to um, via the phone because they keep in, in phone contact friends of another another family that use our service. And they had um, discussed how, how exciting and how um, valuable they'd found that first group that um, the person with dementia had attended. And so we got them to, um, they signed up, they were interested and went through one of the groups themselves. Um, and so that was just really great. It, it showed that, I guess, that um, whilst we had generally in the past focused on physical groups, thinking that that was the, the best way to, to work. And in general, it, it's probably still the most yeah. uh, most appropriate in most situations, but that the digital alternative actually can work potentially better for some people in certain situations. And um, the other one that would be interesting for us to work with as we move forward is the ability to work with family and whānau now that are geographically more spread uh, by using the likes of uh, the Zoom and that type of thing where we can essentially set up a family or a whānau meeting with people in our own region, with others domestically and, and essentially internationally as well, and uh, work through a support plan for them all together in one setting um, without them actually all having to try and get together in one, in one around one room or around one table. So that's, um, you know, that's sort of an opportunity for us moving forwards. Bryce Sheedy is the manager of Alzheimer's Eastern Bay of Plenty. Yeah, I guess some of the things that we've come across that have been uh, hard for the people with dementia through lockdown um, come down to a lot around isolation and it's a change of routine, I guess. So um, we have a lot of clients uh, here in the Eastern Bay that you know don't have a great deal of support around them from family or uh, friends or whatever. So it's been a, a challenge in that respect that being one of them um, I think a lot yeah a lot of the other challenges are around things like uh, having understanding of what it means you know people with dementia forget obviously um, so you know ha- supporting people via the phone instead of in person um, to you know follow the regulations around lockdown was is really hard and continues to be really hard through level three as well um, some people go, you know, I've lived through this and it won't affect me or some people just forget totally. So the isolation is really tricky. Um, and I guess, too, there's the, the flip side of that with the people that, uh, you know, people with dementia also, you know, a lot of them have, you know, significant others, partners or husbands or wives or family that, you know, live in and care for and support. 
um, and through the lockdown process, all those supports for the care for the carers have been sort of taken away, how they traditionally have been as well. So, you know, there's not the weekly, you know, um, get-togethers and the groups and the training and the support groups and the education groups that are happening face to face all the time. Uh, they're not there anymore. So it's, you know, all by phone initially. So that's been really tricky for some people to, you know, grasp that. So there's not, you know, it acts as a twofold. It's not only is it a group that they go to, but it's also a bit of respite from the, you know, that constant caring for the, um, you know, their significant other. So, yeah, that's definitely been a challenge. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's uh, people have had to learn differently too, and some people really like it. Like there's been people that have really enjoyed the phone calls. Um, and I think too with the, you know, you take out in the Eastern Bay, our area is quite vast. So there's a lot of travel. Our staff are travelling up to 300 kilometres a week to do visits. Um, so there's quite a bit of time spent in the car. Um, so you, we're taking all that time back and it's going back into phone calls. So, you know, uh, staff have been able to spend a lot more time with clients on the phone, um, you know, so that's been a real benefit and a bonus for some of the, our clients. Um, you know, we've also learnt a lot about, um, you know, a lot of our clients and carers are a lot more connected with IT than we knew. Um, so we're able to set up some Zoom education um, a really a good story that come out of this that wouldn't have happened if we weren't in lockdown. Um, we've got a client here in Eastern Bay and their daughter and son-in-law are moving back here to look after them, but currently they live in Perth in Australia. Um, so we were able to do the education um, via Zoom with them in Perth before they get here in the next couple of weeks. So that's been a real bonus, which wouldn't have, you know, that wouldn't have happened if we weren't forced into this way of working so i think what'll come what's come out of this is you know we're going to be able to you know deliver a service that's not so sort of one-dimensional we'll be able to have you know quite a few uh you know things to look at the amount of challenges uh you know challenges are going to be always there i think a lot of the challenges that we're going to come into over the next few months are around funding um so that's going to be the next step around um, what we do through the you know the next couple of weeks or week and a half of level three or, or you know hopefully um, is to you know what can we do to prepare for that and I guess that's we've sort of started down that path around you know getting into contact with the uh, you know the people that do the grants and all that sort of stuff it's uh, yeah I don't think the challenges are going to stop once the uh, level three is lifted um, I think they're still going to be there. Listening to Bryce, Liz and Glenn reinforces just how challenging a time this is for people living with dementia and their care partners, and there's still a way to go. Many people have already been staying home for longer than the formal lockdown period, and will likely need to do so for some time yet. If the COVID-19 crisis has any upside, it's the fact that, for the first time in decades, the plight of older people is receiving long overdue attention and concern. And it is encouraging to hear that the community is stepping up and finding innovative ways to help. But we've still got a long way to go on our journey. As lockdown restrictions ease and life starts to get back to normal for lots of us, wouldn't it be great if doing more and better for older and more vulnerable people in our communities could be more than a blip on the nation's radar? Thank you for listening.